Amen. Please remain standing as Sue comes, and she is going to be reading our scripture uh, that comes out of the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I know that this is not the first time that I have used this passage of scripture in the past couple of years, but I want us to take a, a, a new look at this um, uh, this well-known passage of Scripture. Again, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Oh God, pour out your spirit upon this, your word, and make it be for us the word of life that we might be people of life. And now God, hide me behind your cross that your message of love and grace might shine through for the redemption of the world through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So over the past few weeks, um, I have been reading uh, the book called Simple Life. And you, and you may, if you've been to worship uh, here at First Church over the last number of weeks, you may recognize that this is a book that, that I've, uh, I've been reading and, and have, have had a, a number of thoughts um, dealing with this sermon series that originated from this book. And so I've, I've used some of the thoughts in this book kind of as a springboard. And, and in reading that book this week, I came across a, a series of questions that I want to and I want you, I would challenge you to keep these rattling around and in the back of your mind as, as, we, as we complete this sermon series today. And so uh, the first, there's a series of, of, of five different questions. And so the questions are these, am I closer to God today than I was a year ago? Am I closer to God today than I was a year ago? Is, is prayer a regular part of my day? Do, do I read the Bible at, at least two to three times a week? Am I truly connected to a local congregation? Do I talk freely with my family and, and others about my faith? I, I want you to have these questions rattling around in, in, in the back of your mind, especially, especially the first question. Am I closer to God today than I was, than I was a year ago? So um, the, this, this book uh, entitled uh, Simple Life is, is based on a, a survey that the authors conducted. And the survey was conducted seven or eight years ago. And they, they asked a thousand different Americans uh, a number of questions that they were, that, that they, they were concerned about. And, and one of those was about their religious beliefs. And so the, the survey that they did seven or eight years ago... Um, I, I, I looked up the new numbers. In fact, I, I looked up the numbers that, that related to Oklahoma in particular. And so what, what they have found, and this was a survey that was, that was conducted in 2018, what they found in, in Oklahoma, 79% of Oklahomans consider themselves Christians. By the way, 
By the way, um, the, the, uh, the statistics, national statistics from 10 years ago almost mirror uh, the statistics in Oklahoma. However, however, uh, things have changed in the last 10 years across, across America. So uh, again, today in Oklahoma, 79% of, an o- of, of Oklahomans consider themselves Christians. Today in America, about right at 70% of Americans consider them Christians. Uh, 12% believe in God in Oklahoma. 12% of Oklahomans believe in God but have no religious preference. These are what's called as the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, because when people fill these surveys out, they ask, uh, what religious preference do you, do you have? And they are the ones that check the box that says none. They have no religious preference. So in Oklahoma, it's 12%, but nationwide today, it's almost 20%. This is the fastest growing segment of Americans when it comes to religious belief system. These are people who are, who are deeply, deeply spiritual, but they have no religious system on which to base their spirituality. They wouldn't consider themselves Christians or Buddhist or, or, or Muslim. They're, they're, they have no religious system on which to base their spirituality, but they are deeply, deeply spiritual. 7% are agnostic or atheist. And by the way, this has not changed in almost 20 years, this number. By the way, I find it interesting, I find it fascinating that as Christians, we often think, well, we've got to go over, we've got to, we've got to go after those that are, those that are agnostic or, or atheist, or we need to go, you need to, we need to go try to convert those from other religions. Well, there are so, literally, there are very few people in, in Oklahoma and, and across the United States that, that are either agnostic or atheist or have another belief system. There are very few of them. The, the, again, the, the fastest growing segment of our population are those that are, that are deeply, deeply spiritual, but they have no, they have no religious they have no religious preference. In, in, this, in this nationwide survey, uh, the respondents, 69% of the respondents said they need to spend more time on spiritual matters. I, I, find these things, I find these things deeply fascinating because I have been saying over the last 15 years that we are, we are, we are living in an age that is deeply, deeply spiritual. And I have sensed over the last 10 years especially, there is a deep, deep spiritual hunger in our land. And this, and this proves it. 70, almost 70% of Americans say that they wish they, could, they would spend more time on spiritual matters. 89%, listen to this, 89% of Americans feel that it is important for them to have, uh, for them and their families to have some sort of spiritual foundation. I was blown away by this. Almost 90% of Americans believe that it's important for them and their families to have a spiritual foundation. 81% indicate that they, are, that, they, that they indeed try to provide some sort of good spiritual leadership to their families. However, and this probably is not shocking to us, 29% of the respondents attend weekly worship service. And so there's a disconnect between the church and 
the needs of, of those who are not in church. It's as if we're speaking one language and, and they're speaking a, a, another, another language. And, and, and as, this, as this survey was conducted, the, the researchers began to delve a little bit deeper and they began to, they began to interview folks that, they had, that had responded to the, to the survey and they began to ask some questions that they began to delve a little bit deeper and I wanted to share with you some of the responses to this survey. One woman said, isn't it ridiculous? I say that I believe in God. I say that God should be the most important priority in my life. I claim that God sent his son to die for me, but I somehow can't, can't make time for him. No, I take that back. I don't make time for him. This is the thought of, of Americans. Now, by the way, let, let, let me, I, I want to let you know, I know that in some sense I'm preaching to the choir. You know what that means, right? I mean, I'm, I'm preaching to people who are, who are in worship on Sunday. By the way, when, tw when we say that 20, what was it, 29% of Americans are in, are in worship on Sunday, I'm, I'm, speaking, I'm speaking to the 29%. I, rec I recognize that. But this, is, this helps us to understand who, who those folks are that are, that, are outside, that are outside the church. Americans understand that they have this deep and abiding spiritual hunger, but they're missing the mark when it comes to it. They recognize that they simply are not making time for their relationship with God. A a another, another person said, I'm not a big moral failure. Failure. I just don't have a strong relationship with Him, God that is. God is just kind of in the background of my life. It's the feeling of America. And then finally, I know I need to give God more time. I just don't know where, uh, where, where, where I need to be doing that. I don't know what I would eliminate from my life. Over the last few weeks, we have been, we have been looking at this simple life. And we have, we have seen how God has, um, well, I think God is calling us to have a simple relationship when it comes to our time. Again, you know, I mean, whenever somebody asks us how we are, we say, oh, I'm busy. Oh, we just meet ourselves coming and going. And we all the while, our kids are involved in three or four different uh, activities at the exact same time. And, and we think to ourselves, well, when our kids get a little bit older, it's going to become much, much easier. Uh, and, and then our kids move out of the house. And, and then we're traveling all across the country going to go see the kids. And then, and then we start having grandkids. And we've got, oh, gosh way more grandkids than we ever had kids. And so we spend our time going from this event to that event. And, and, then, and then we finally retire and we think, oh gosh, we'll have so much more time whenever we, reti we, we retire. And the thing I hear from retirees is that uh, you don't ever get a day off when you're retired. There's always a long list of things to do. And it just is becoming so hectically busy. And the complexity of life continues to get more and uh, continues to get worse and worse and worse. Technology was supposed to solve all of that, wasn't it? But it hasn't. It, it hasn't at all. And then, and then we've, we've looked at our relationships and how, how relationships are, are so very complex. And I, I challenge you to write down a relationship, one, one relationship in particular that you would try to be working on and, and, and some steps that we could take when it came to our, when our relationship. And, and then last week we saw how we have such a complex relationship with, with our money as well. 
and, and how God is calling us to simplify our relationship with our money, to live beyond, or excuse me, to live below our means because the, the average American is spending 102% of their income. We're called to live below our means and to create some margins in our lives. And so today, today we're looking at, the, at, at our complex relationship with, with God. And, and, and no doubt... No doubt, we as humans have a deeply complex relationship with God. Uh, five or six years ago, I, I had the opportunity to have uh, to take a I took a two week trip to to England, and I was on a John Wesley tour. I I went to where John Wesley was was born and raised, and um, went. I mean, just had a had a fantastic had a fantastic trip. And uh, one of the one of the spots that we that we stopped at, although it was not a John Wesley. Um, a, a place that we stopped at. We stopped at Stonehenge. I, I wasn't I wasn't real crazy about going to Stonehenge. I wasn't exactly sure what it was going to be. I thought it may kind of be odd. Or I mean, I went there and I was just fascinated with Stonehenge. Stonehenge, uh, you probably know, are these large, massive, giant stones that are in the middle of a of a gr- field of grass in the middle of nowhere in England. And they're arranged kind of in a, in a circle. They're, they're not exactly sure where they came from. They have no, really don't have any idea other than what they, what they, fa- what, what they believe. And, and I, I can't even remember the day. I mean, it's, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. But there was some sort of religious significance to the people that created Stonehenge. And, and what, I, what I began to realize when I was sitting there, standing there, looking at these giant stones where people had been coming for thousands of years to worship, is that, uh, one, God has created in us a deep desire to worship Him, and two, oftentimes we really, um, we, we really mess it up a whole bunch, and we make it extremely complex, and it really doesn't need to be complex at all. Again, again, remember that quote? I know I need to give God more time. I just don't, I just don't know where, where I need to give more time to God at. I don't know what I would eliminate. I have no idea what I would eliminate. Well, Martha was the exact same thing. She had no idea what to eliminate. Martha did the exact same thing each one of us does whenever we have... Uh, whenever we have a guest, in fact, just uh, just this just this past week, um, I, I'll, uh, our 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 niece came to visit us uh, this past week, or just the other day. And and uh, when Drew called us and said, "Hey, I'm on my way," uh, Drew, you don't know this, but you know what we were doing? We went around and we dusted a little bit, and we made sure that the bed was made, and we made sure that all of the uh, there were clean towels in the restroom, we made sure that the toilet was clean, and we made I mean, we we did all the things that we all do. Martha was doing the exact same thing that we all do whenever we hear that we're going to have a guest in our home. She was tidying up. She was doing the things that needed to be, that needed to be done. I mean, what was she going to eliminate? Was, was she going to not dust that day because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was coming to her house? No. No, that, the, the house needed to be dusted. The, the, the meal needed 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 to be prepared that uh, the, the the new linens needed to be on the bed make make sure that there's a a clean towel in the restroom all of these things they need to be done what in the world are we ever going to cut out 
it's not that these things aren't important. But you remember a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the priorities in our lives? So what's that priority list that you made? I asked you to make a priority list. The top five most important things in your life. And more than likely, I would suspect that if you're a believer, more than likely, you would put God number one. And then probably family. Um, you're probably going to put your uh, maybe career there somewhere. You're going to put health there somewhere. You may even put um, uh, entertainment somewhere. I, I don't know what I don't know what was on your more than likely. More than likely, if 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 you if you filled that out and and you made a priority list and you and, and you you're probably going to have God number one. Even I mean even. I mean, we all know the Sunday school answer, don't we? The children's, an- the, children's, the children's message answer. So what's the answer? God. Yes, God is number one. Yeah. Yeah. So what are we going to cut out? If we say that God is number one in our lives, so what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Indeed, God, Jesus told Martha, you see, Mary has chosen that which is better. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So, I want you to take out your bulletin. It's the last time we're going to do this because it's the last sermon. Is the last sermon in this series. I want you to take out your bulletin. On the back of your bulletin, you'll find a little place there for notes. It's a real practical thing because what I found is that if we don't write something down, we're never going to do it. If, if we don't, if we don't write it down, if we, if we don't write it down on paper, well, we'll listen to the sermon. We'll go on. We'll come back next week. We'll hear another decent sermon and. The following week, we'll hear another one. And I mean, how many, how many times do we have to hear this before we, we finally decide, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to do something about it. If you're like the majority of Americans, you recognize that, that you need, you, you, you really need to begin to take some steps to get serious about your faith journey. So I want you to, I want you to write some sort of, some sort of statement about getting closer to God or becoming more serious in your relationship with God. So maybe just a, a, first, a first statement would be something like, I will, become, I will become more committed to my relationship with God. Something that you know is a goal in your, relation, in, in your faith journey. Um, a goal in your faith journey. What's the big goal? Do you want to get more serious in your faith journey? Do you want to come closer to Jesus? Do you want to, um, whatever it is, I want, you to, I want you to just that first statement. I, I will become more faithful in my faith journey or I will become more faithful on my walk with the Lord. I will become closer to Jesus by, so this is the second part of it, doing what? By doing what? It may be, that you want to commit to spending five minutes a day in prayer, or you want to uh, you want to read your Bible at least three times a week, or it may be that you want to commit to uh, attending worship at least twice a month, or it may be that you want to commit to getting involved in a small group or a Sunday school class here at First Church. I, I want you to complete that. I want you to complete what your goal is. Again, your big goal, I want to become, again, closer to God or 
a more faithful follower of Jesus or something like that by doing what? What's the one action that you want to think about? I want, you, I want you to write that down. I want you to write that down. And then I have, I have some suggestions for you or some, some, advice, some advice going forward. Because um, I, I will tell you, in, in all of my years of being a pastor, I've talked to a lot and lots and lots of people who have, start, who have you know, they, we make New Year's resolutions uh, or we make new commitments uh, during, during the season of Lent. I see it all the time. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut out chocolate and caffeine and I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to lose 14 pounds over the, over the next seven weeks. I see it all the time. And by the time, you know, the third week of Lent rolls around, I see them gorging on, on as much chocolate and Coke as they can get. I mean, I, I've seen this. I've, and, and by the way, I mean, I'm talking about myself primarily. So a couple pieces of advice. First is forget your failures. Because whatever you wrote down there, I will tell you, you are going to fail. Um, more than likely, this is, how, this is how it happens. And by the way, start small. If I didn't already say that, don't write down, I'm going I'm I'm to pray three and a half hours a day. Don't write something like that down because you're going to fail and, and you're never, you're never going to come back to it. Make, it. make it very simple. Somebody's scratching out something. I already see. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, so, but forget your failures. We, we, are, we are going, we are absolutely going to fail. Uh, because we're going to make a commitment and then life just gets crazy and hectic. Uh, and, and then, I mean, we get distracted by all the other things in our bag. <laughs> and we like the little bendy straw. And then we forget what's most important in our bag. It's okay. Um, forget your failure. Restart again. If you, if you fail one day, well, make a commitment that I'm going to do better tomorrow. Forget your failures. Work incrementally. If I wanted to run, um, I think somebody told me today they, they ran 15 miles, is that right? 15, 15K, no, 19, 15K, 15, 15 kilometers this morning. If I want to go out and, and uh, run 15 kilometers today, uh, there's no way I could do it. <laughs> what would I need to do? Start small and work my way up to 15K. If I, wanna, if I want to eventually spend 45 minutes a day in prayer, don't start with 45 minutes a day in prayer. Start with three or four minutes a day in prayer and begin to, to work incrementally. Work incrementally. Another thing is start immediately. One of my, um, one of my biggest frustrations in my own life, and, I, and I've... There, there are seasons in my life that I become pretty introspective. And there are seasons in my life that I, that I think to myself, oh my goodness, I am, I mean, typically it's around my birthday. Uh, this coming birthday, I'm going to be 48 years old and uh, here in a couple of months. And, and whenever I come around my birthday, I always think to myself, good grief, I should be way further ahead than I, than I am. When it comes to my own spiritual, I mean, I'm 48 years old and I don't have that figured out yet. I'm 48 years old, and I'm still struggling with that? Oh, my gosh. One of my problems over my life is that I've always thought, you know, I'll get to that whenever, whenever. I'll get to that soon. 
It's one, of the most, it's one of the most damaging things that we can ever say when it comes to our own spiritual life. I'll get to that soon because soon never comes around. I'll get to that whenever, you know, I'm a newlywed and we don't have kids. I'll get to that whenever we, ha- whenever we, have, whenever we start having kids. Then, then I'll start. Well, whenever the kids start in elementary school and they get out of the house, well, then, then I'll start. You know, whenever they get a little bit older and they get to be teenagers and they start driving themselves, then I'll get... Well, whenever they graduate high school or, or whenever, whenever, they, they leave, whenever they leave home or, or whenever they get married or whenever I start having grandkids or whenever, I, when, whenever I'm financially independent or, or whenever I'm retired or... When, well, whenever I'm on my deathbed. If we never start, we'll never start. You've got to start today. One of, one of the frustrations, again, with my own life, and, and I'll be honest, one of the frustrations of being a pastor for the last 21 years at times is seeing the same people week after week after week, after week, sitting in the same spots, week after week, after week, sitting in the same Sunday school classes, week after week, dealing with the exact same stuff, week after week, after week. We better start now. No more putting this off. If we say that God is First in our lives, we must mean it, and we better begin now. And the final piece of advice I would say is be resilient. Don't give up. By the way, by the way, and I don't, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not trying to delve into spiritual warfare at all, but let me say, I, what I have found in my own life, whenever I start getting serious about my faith, there is always something that comes and tries to block me. And I don't know whether that's the, I don't know if that's the enemy that's working. I don't have any idea. Or if it's just life or that's how, that's how it works. I have no idea what it is. But I do know this. You're going to face resistance. You're going to face resistance in your, own, in your own life. You're going to face resistance from your family. You're going to re- face resistance from just life itself. You're going to face resistance from the world. Be resilient. Again, forget, forget your failures. Go ahead and, and st- work incrementally. Start now. Be, be resilient. The, final, uh, the, the very last thing that I would say, and I, and I think this goes directly. I've said it before. Uh, this, may be, this may be the most poignant thing that I've said in, in this entire series, and I think it, it definitely goes to this story of Martha and Mary. Martha, what she was doing was good. It needed to happen. It needed to happen again. If we're going to have guests in our house, there's some things that probably need to be done. I mean, they, they probably need some sort of clean towel in the restroom. Uh, the, the house needs to be at least a little bit in order somehow, some way. But there are times that we're going to have to learn to say no to something good so that we can say yes to something better. The average American spends 35 hours a week watching television. The average American spends 17.5 hours per week on social media. I don't have time is absolutely not an excuse. 
Is television good? Well, it can be. Is social media good? Well, it can be. Yeah, those are, those are good things. Those can be good things in our lives. But we must be willing, we must be willing to say to no to something good so that we can say yes to something better. And the something better that we're all called to is God our Savior. Would you bow with me? God, right here and right now, there are, there are people here in this room and people who are, who are listening online, either, either right here now live or, or listening and watching online weeks and weeks later. But you've called us all right now to hear your word today. And there's some here today that, that wonder whether, whether this word might be for us. We recognize that we have such a chaotic life that we don't slow down for you or even for anything else. You've called us. You've called us to truly, to truly make you the first priority in our lives. We say it all the time, God, you're number one in our lives. We love you more than anything. We say it, but we don't live it. Right now, oh Lord, we covenant with you right here, right now, that not only are we going to say that you are first in our lives, we're going to live it. Come. Come and be our Lord. Come and be our King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.